First Thessalonians chapter one. Let's look at it together today. How many are excited about getting in the Bible today? Let me see your hands. All right. How many aren't excited and you need revival? Let me see your hands. It always works. Brother Bennett, never see hands on that one. All right, ready? Let's look at it. Paul and Savanius and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your walk of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know, what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son. From heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Great portion of scripture. Wonderful portion of scripture. Father, I thank you now for this portion of scripture. And Father, I pray that uh, we'd be eager to learn more about it. In Jesus' name, amen. It was um, before COVID, I think we were going up north, or maybe it was last fall, we were going up north, and we passed what is, was a favorite place of ours growing up, and it's called the Call of the Wild. How many of you remember the Call of the Wild? It's so neat, and we thought it was a big deal. When I was growing up, it was a big deal. I mean, because you pushed a button and voices came out. Today, that's not a big deal, you know. But you push this button, voices came out. Wow, wow, how are they doing that? I mean, isn't it, isn't time, is, times have so changed. But to call a while, uh, the animals who weren't, were once alive were now dead, stuffed, and they made noises out of this little voice box that they put in them. And uh, they once had energy, but now they had no energy. They were just frozen in time. And uh, all they had were fake sounds coming out of them. <sighs> A lot of churches are like that today. They once had it, but now they don't have it. They're just like a stuffed animal. They've got sounds coming out of them, but they're not alive. They're, they don't have energy. They don't have evangelism. They don't have a, a plea uh, to this world to repent and and learn of Jesus and receive Jesus as your Savior. 
This Thessalonican church was alive. Uh, this was a, this is a, a city uh, today. It's important to recognize that in that day, as in this day, its commercial um, uh, its commercialism was basically because of industry, industry. But they were also a a, a port, and lots of sailors would come in, and lots of haulers would come in. Uh, it is the second largest city to Athens today. There are over 300,000 people in Thessalonica today. It was an extremely important city during World War I because the Allies uh, set up their Allied troops there. Then in World War II, sadly, the Germans captured it and 60,000 Jews were uh, exiled and killed. 60,000 from that area were exiled and killed. In Paul's day, uh, there were some 200,000, mostly Greeks, but some Romans and, and some Jews. In Acts chapter 16 and verse number 9, Dr. Luke, Luke, Dr. Luke wrote uh, Acts, says the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that a man from Macedonia said, come over and help us. And so from Philippi, they passed several other cities and they went to Thessalonica, and there uh, Paul stayed for at least three Sabbaths, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17. And they started the church of Thessalonica, which became a church that he bragged about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to the uh, church at Corinth, because these folks, in their poverty, in their affliction, gave to help other people uh, and help, uh, not Apostle Paul, he himself was taking care of himself as a tent builder. But they, they helped and uh, they had such a strong faith uh, in, and God used that strong faith to be an example to others. First Thessalonians chapter 1, the word church in 1-1 means a called out assembly. We're a called out assembly, a community Baptist church here in Saginaw, Michigan. But they had a common bond, and the common bond was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our common bond, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, that's our common bond, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wayne, you and I have a common bond. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Dan, you and I have a common bond. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our first, that, that's our, that's our first foundational established common bond, the Lord Jesus Christ. Beyond that, we have other things that uh, help uh, draw us to one another. But this is the common bond, the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation changed their lives. Verse number three, the apostles saw that change. And according to verses five through seven, it thrilled Paul's heart to see the change, how quickly the change came and how they got involved in this great cause that he was involved in. And uh, he is thankful for the way they were living, and he was joyous or glad for the way they were living. They were an example. Knowing there was this uh, persecution of Christians, they still responded to the gospel because the gospel had quickened their hearts. And they saw people around them change their lives. No matter that, the, that, that those people were being persecuted and some were suffering. 
uh, because of this newfound faith, they continued to live and stand fast for God. Notice, if you would please, just go down as I give you the theme of each verse. Verse 4, they knew salvation was God's plan, not man. It was God's plan. Like the elect of God in the Old Testament, the uh, Israelites, now they were the children of God. The elect of the New Testament, they were the children of God. They were joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Verse number 6, first part, they were... Uh, they, they started following the Lord, not religion. They turned from their idol worship, verse number 9. Uh, the second part of verse number 6, they were suffering with joy, knowing that this faith was greater than any suffering they could go through. This faith was great. Verse number 7, they were encouraged, and they encouraged others. And other churches were encouraged as they uh, were just those encouragers, as we can see in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Four, and then the Bible says in verse number 8 of 1 Thessalonians 1.8, For from you sounded out the word. The word sounded there is a word that would describe a trumpet blowing. Um, it sounded out uh, a, a message, and uh, everyone could hear the message. Everyone could see the message. This was a message that Jesus Christ had made a difference in their lives. Letting people know about the gospel. Warning people. It was like a bugle in a battle. It was a charge. This is what Jesus has done for me. We've got great victory because of Jesus Christ. And then in verses 9 and 10, we see they were looking for the Lord's return. Verse number 10. Wait. Notice, if you would please... And to wait for his son from heaven. Wait. Wait, actually, it means to wait assiduously. It means to wait patiently, expecting the return of the Lord Jesus. They were looking for Jesus to come back at any time. That's why we know in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 13, some of those good people that were waiting for the Lord to return all of a sudden passed away. Wait, what's going on here, Paul? I, I thought you told us that Jesus is coming again. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, don't worry about them. Those people, they're going to, and the Bible goes on to tell us uh, that they will rise first. To meet Jesus in the air. The first phase of the coming. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The rapture. And then the second coming. The rapture. Jesus will meet us in the air. The second coming. Jesus will come back. Uh, to uh, planet earth. The battle of Armageddon. Wait. It means to wait. They, they were looking for Jesus' return. First Thessalonians <clears throat> gives us. A picture of the model church. Uh, it's not a perfect church because as soon as you put people in a church, then that church becomes imperfect. But the church, we're at, we are the church. And so there's the imperfect church, but we can be a model that God can use, an example that God can use to the praise of his glory. This church was a church that was alive. This church was a church that was going forward for the 
uh, cause of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful church, and we can learn much about how we should be living our lives, not only as individual Christians, but also as a church. Salvation changed their lives. And we see that Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a three-point outline. He says in verse number three, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So first we see the work of faith. First, you trusted in Jesus. Secondly, we see the labor of love. Now you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And then third, we see the patience of hope. You're looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, love, hope are virtues of the Christian life and give evidence of a changed life through the Lord Jesus Christ. The challenge before us, first of all, is to make sure people see the work of faith in our lives. When you go to work tomorrow, will people see the work of faith in your life? Uh, when you go to the store tomorrow, will people see, hey, there's something different about that person because there's the work of faith in your life. The work of faith has done something to make you different. The work of faith has given you this new life in Christ. The work of faith, by the way, has changed you. Now you have the Holy Spirit in you and dwelling you. The work of faith. Aren't you glad and thankful, even as the Apostle Paul was, to see the work of faith in the church of Thessalonica? Aren't you glad that you're saved from your sin? Seven of us are really glad about that. I'm looking forward to an invitation today. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Take your Bibles and turn there. Romans 5, 12. Romans 5, 12. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man sinner into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. In the first Adam all die, the Bible tells us. That first Adam was Adam. But in the second Adam, we have the Lord Jesus Christ who's given us eternal life. We need to ask Jesus to come into our heart and forgive us of our sin because we are born in sin and that sin needs to be forgiven. The only way that sin can be forgiven is not through religion, not through baptism, not through confirmation. It can only be forgiven not by good works, not by money, not by your uh, philanthropy, but only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus makes the difference. The Bible tells us, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, then you've experienced the work of faith. The work of faith made a difference in their lives. And the work of faith can make a difference in your life if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it's not making a difference, and if you have received Jesus, then you've got some sin in your life, and that sin is hindering your fellowship with God. And that's why you need to go to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We see, first of all, uh, that these Thessalonians, there was a difference about them. This church, there was a difference 
And it was seen on the streets of Thessalonica, not just in the pews. In those days, they didn't have pews. They'd be meeting in houses. But the work of faith was seen in their changed lives. And the work of faith was not only seen, but it was shared. They were sharing what Jesus had done for them because they were excited that their souls were saved and they were on their way to heaven, actually looking for Jesus' return and not going to a crisis eternity in hell. So they sounded out like a trumpet, like our trumpets today. I think Brother Yellen there has got a lot of air behind his trumpet. And he's blowing that trumpet. It sounded out. People were getting saved and the church was growing uh, in converts. People left religion. They left their idols and they came to Jesus. This was, a, as I said, a shipping center. Lots of sailors would come. And they would come and they would hear the gospel from the Thessalonians. Lots of commercialism, lots of industry. And these good folks were sounding out, telling people, sharing with people the gospel. And people were getting saved. It's exciting. It's more exciting than winning a, a ball game in the last 15 seconds. I know it's hard for some of our teenagers to realize, some of our young people to realize it's more exciting than Christmas to see somebody saved. Amen. It's, it's wonderful. They sounded out. Uh, you know, when I'm thinking, uh, when I think of our best days at Community Baptist, I've had 42 years now, starting my 43rd year. I don't think about our building programs, our burning of the mortgage, a retiring of the, of the bond issue, our, our largest offerings, our trade places with God Sundays, no, I think about Ken and Bonnie over there baptizing them as the first baptisms I had when I came. I think about John Seneco coming to my office and receiving Christ as personal Savior. I think about wonderful souls that have been saved because gospel was preached. I think about how God has blessed, and some of you are second generation. If it wasn't for your parents getting saved, you would have never gotten saved in that Sunday school class or in that children's church program or off the bus ministry. As I meet people, a lady delivered our pizza not long ago. Uh, Daniel had ordered a couple of Hungry Howie's pizza. We always go to Hungry Howie's because Caitlin's gluten-free. She gets this little gluten-free pizza about this big around that cost me I don't know what. Ten bucks, I think. Is it ten bucks? Boy, does your grandpa love you. Next time, I'm going to hit Dwayne up for five of that. But anyway, uh, this girl comes in and says, Hi, Pastor Jackson. Wafiq, hi, Pastor Jackson. And all these people that, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, they were here. They think I can remember them in their childhood face. Guess what? You change. Gerald, you change in one week. You change. You change. And uh, she said, yeah, I used to ride one of your buses. I asked Jesus into my heart. Amen. It happens all the time. Ask Gabby. It happens all the time to us. People will stop us. And I like this part of it. 
It's terrible, but I like this part of it. Well, you haven't changed a bit. That's because your eyes are nearly blind now. That's why. Earl and Kay getting saved. Uh, Clint right here asking Jesus into his heart. Krzyzewski's getting saved. Huh? It's uh, the Hutters getting saved. That's what it's all about. People, let's not forget that's what it's all about. We get to heaven, there's not going to be any charts about how many buildings we built, how many debts we retired, and, and what we did here and what we did there. No, it's going to be souls. Souls. That we've seen saved. Lives we've seen changed. Lives pulled out of the addictions. Lives pulled out of uh, uh, out of sin. Families put back together. And they, so they had a testimony that could be trumpeted. That could sound out the great grace of God. Oh yeah. The days we saw people saved, those were precious days. Now that's the, that's the work of faith. That's the great work of faith. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see secondly. The labor of love. Labor speaks of service. Actually labor speaks of work. Huh? Yeah labor is work. It's work. It's uh, the fact that we need to be working. For our Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we see that. It really identifies selflessness. And sacrifice. It means. Well, as I mentioned earlier, there's a couple of different kinds of labor. Shannon James, I mentioned this, James, when you were out with the children. Uh, you're celebrating that you don't have to go through that labor, right? Six hours of labor. And look how good he looks. I remember my daughters will be celebrating her birthday next week. Not this week, but the next week. Our twin daughters. We were pretty excited, 11 years without children, and God gave us twins. We didn't know we were going to have twins until three weeks before uh, Kathy went in. You remember those times, don't you, Diane? You remember those days? Yeah. Yep, it was something else. And uh, Kathy, all of a sudden, I w went back, and on a Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, and uh, she said, honey, honey, my water broke. Well, we can get more glasses, well, you know. We went through all the breathing deals. Remember back in those days, everybody had to take one of those courses. They still have to take those courses today? They do? They don't have to take them today? <clears throat> I could never skip when I was in kindergarten, so I never got the breathing down either. It just was, it was not a great help to Kathy. That's why she was 34 hours in labor. 34 hours. But we came out of it okay, didn't we, honey? <laughs> I remember I went to the living room where they did the C-section. Yeah, after all that C-section. First came Christina, then came Katrina. Wow, was that hard. It was labor. Hard for Kathy. It was hard on me too, really. The difference 
is uh, <clears throat> labor for the Lord is motivated by our love for Christ and our obedience to God. The definition of labor, the Greek word for labor is kopos. And uh, that's what's found in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. And this is the kind of labor that faith in Christ motivated the Thessalonians. It motivated them. They were motivated by this love of Christ. They were motivated and this labor was labor that was going to bring them great reward. Not the monetary reward, but, but great reward in that they would be pleasing God, the God who saved them from their sin. Steve Jobs. How many have ever heard that name, Steve Jobs? Okay, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, tried to recruit John Scully to come and be his CEO. Jobs felt the company had gone beyond the stage that it could be led by an entrepreneur and needed the management skills of Scully, who was then the president of Pepsi-Cola. And uh, he said uh, uh, that Scully sat with Jobs on a penthouse balcony overlooking the New York skyline as Jobs made his final pitch. Will you do it, John? Will you come to Apple? Will you come and work with us at Apple? Steve, I'd like you uh, Steve, I like you. I appreciate what you're doing. I'm excited about it. But the salary and the benefits I receive from Pepsi are just too big for me to give up and come with you. The words Steve Jobs said next were to haunt John Scully for months. Johnny said, do you want to help change the world or do you want to spend the rest of your life making sugared water? <laughs> God wants us to help change eternity of those in this world. We need to be about the Father's business. We need to be about winning people to Christ. We need to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do, the labor of love. Now, that's the definition. Now, now the, the difference between labor and leisure, we talked about this in my Sunday school class today, the difference between labor and leisure. My first real experience with labor and leisure I came when I was about uh, 12 years, maybe 13, going to 13, uh, when I was working at a farm and I was working in the summertime, and I found out that uh, at 10 o'clock, we got a 15-minute break. It was a, a break from labor. And so I remember at that time, there was an old man that I was working with. His name was Gunner. He was the main uh, hand, hired hand there. And so at uh, 10 o'clock or right around that time, he said, okay, it's time for a break. And so we'd take a break. And uh, when we took that break, uh, we lost focus of the work, and we just relaxed and at that time I'd eat cornbread my mother had packed for me or I'd have uh, you know some kind of treat that my mom had packed for me at 10 o'clock and I wasn't thinking about cleaning out the black Angus stalls or or loading hay up on the baler 
uh, or, yeah, I wasn't thinking about any of those kind of things. No, I was only thinking about my leisure time, my break. And I lost focus on the work time. But as soon as 10.15 came back around, then we'd get back focused on what we needed to do. The problem today is most Christians have leisure time and then they have labor time for the 10 to 15 minute time uh, in the morning. Listen, we are not in this world to make a living. We're in this world to live for God. We need to remember that. God, uh, we've got an eternity to look forward to, Christian friend. And there's a wonderful thing to recognize, and we need to recognize it, as the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 59 and 60. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The psalmist tells us, hey, listen, don't get caught up in what you're doing in this world Make sure you're looking at what's out of this world. Make sure you're recognizing that we have a responsibility because of the love of Christ and because of our obedience to God to labor for him. And Paul was excited about how these Thessalonians were laboring for God. But the third point of his outline, verse number three, he says, uh, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. In the sight, why would he add that? In the sight of God, because it's just not me commending you, but God is commending you. And there's this patience of hope. Yeah, you're doing something that the world's not doing. You're looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's... a uh, it's an interesting phrase. He's commending the church because they're assiduously, patiently waiting for Jesus' return. They knew about that because the Apostle Paul, I'm sure, in the Apostles' uh, doctrine, had shared with them verses like Acts chapter 1. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. They were looking for his return. They were living like Jesus would return. And this is the hope that they had. This is the hope that they had. Every day living with that patient hope. Is that like 21st century Christianity? 
perhaps the persecution, perhaps the suffering, perhaps seeing loved ones being persecuted and suffering for receiving Christ. Perhaps that had some influence on how they were looking for the return of Christ. As we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but verse 13, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. They had a hope. Many don't have a hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, with that hope. Yeah. The rapture. Jesus could come today. He'll come in the air, in the clouds. Jesus could come. And before the end of this service. Then that would usher in the tribulation period. We see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 3, throughout the rest of the chapter. By the way, I'll be preaching from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 tonight. The second coming. Jesus will come after the seven years, Daniel's 70th week, after the seven years of tribulation. There'll be the battle of Armageddon. Satan will be cast in the bottomless pit. There will be the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the final battle of Gog and Magog. And then the new heavens and the new earth. After the great white throne judgment. The new heavens and the new earth. Well, the patience of hope. Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? You are if you have the testimony of the church at Thessalonica. If you have the work of faith, you've trusted in Jesus. If you have the labor of love, you're serving the Lord. If you have the patience of hope, you're looking for Jesus' return. Yeah. You're ready. Jesus is coming. I was sharing with my Sunday school class today. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're so affluent. We've got everything. That we're just not as excited as we should be about that. It's like, well, if he comes back now, they'll be ripping me off. I've got so much going for me. Man, your focus is wrong. Well, if he came back to, wait a second. If he came back, you'd be with Jesus. People think about it. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, do you have it? The work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. May God use his word to challenge you. By the way, teenager, I love teenagers. Teenagers know that. And that's why they love me. But make sure this is not just your mom and dad's doctrine. 
Make sure you grab it. When I was a teenager, I grabbed it, and I tell you what, it made my Christian life just alive. Yours can be alive, too. Father, I thank you for this time you've given us today. I pray, Father, for some that need Christ as their Savior. For others who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, they need to just get focused. Start laboring. Start obeying. Showing their love for the one who so loved us. Help us, dear God, as we wait patiently. As we wait for our hope to stand fast for you. 